Welcome to the Whole Equestrian Podcast, where we're bridging the gap between riding and wellness, discussing topics related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. I am Dr. Tyler Held, a mostly retired professional five-star groom, a certified mental performance consultant with my doctorate in sport and performance psychology. I am a purple belt and a gym owner in the sport of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and I am joined by another special guest episode today. So I am just going to go ahead and let the episode speak for itself, Um, and I hope you guys enjoy this one as much as I did. Today, we are welcoming Dr. Barbara Belasco of ShowMD to the podcast. Dr. Blasco has an emergency, has been an emergency medicine physician for almost three decades, is an amateur jumper rider and entrepreneur. She's also the founder and CEO of ShowMD, a mobile urgent care and medical clinic located right on site at horse shows. Um, Barb, welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited to have you on. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be on the podcast and uh, looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, yeah. So one of um, my good friends and listeners of the podcast was just at a symposium in Baltimore that you were speaking at, and she was very excited for me to meet and speak with you. She said uh, she really liked the way that you presented there and thought it would be a good fit for the whole equestrian uh, community and our listeners, and I couldn't agree more. So why don't we just start out by you telling us a little bit about yourself, your personal history, your own involvement with horses, and, and just get a baseline for how you got to where you are today. Uh, sure. So I I actually grew up uh, on Long Island uh, in New York, and I started riding when I was a little kid. It's like the typical story. You go to a birthday party and there's pony rides and your dad puts you on the pony and walks you around and then you're hooked. Um, so I think that that was when I was about five or six. And then when I was seven years old, I started taking riding lessons at uh, a barn near my house and it just progressed from there. Um, you know, I, I fell in love with horses as a little kid and, and that's all I wanted to do. Um, so when I was from about seven to around 14, I took lessons and rode at a local barn. And then finally, when I was 14 years old, my parents surprised me with a horse that I had actually been riding in lessons. Um, and, uh, they bought me a horse named Myrtle and I was doing, uh, English, you know, hunter jumper stuff. And, um, I had that horse pretty much throughout my entire junior career. Um, we didn't have, you know, a lot of, a lot of money. We had enough to have a horse, but not a super expensive horse. So that was pretty much my horse all the way up from like two foot maiden to the three, six equitation. Um, I did work a lot uh, with horses uh, growing up. I, you know, did everything from cleaning stalls to braiding and grooming and working with some really big, big name trainers on the East Coast uh, throughout uh, high school, college, and even medical school. I still continued to be involved in horses and uh, working with them and riding. So I was pretty lucky and fortunate to grow up where I did on the East Coast. Yeah, no, uh, I I am also uh, located in uh, I'm Kennett Square, Pennsylvania, and I do eventing. So I'm like kind of the hub of 
East Coast area to just local to a lot of professionals. So it's kind of it's great to have that exposure where everything's so close. And as I, you know, start to do sports psychology, uh, it's funny that a lot of the people that I talk to aren't in the East Coast. I have people in California. I have people, um, you know, in in the Midwest and driving 12 hours to a show is like normal out there. Whereas here it's like, why would you drive 12 hours to a show? There's like six in a two hour radius. So um, really interesting. Where did you go go to college? I went to college at uh, SUNY Stony Brook, which is on, on Long Island. And the barn I was riding at was literally 10 minutes away. Um, so that was that was great because I was continuing to support my college education by riding and teaching and uh, working with a trainer uh, with his like lower level kids and pony kids. So I was able to, you know, uh, supplement my college tuition with the equestrian industry, which was great. And for a while, I actually considered being a trainer, um, but I knew I I wasn't really good enough to ride at the highest levels. Um, And then during college, I was pretty much in the pre-med track and uh, decided that medicine was definitely my calling. Yeah, no, and it's it's hard to do both for sure. But uh, it's cool that you were able to kind of manage the two, have the the close distance to be able to, you know, teach some lessons and stay involved with the horses. Now that you're established uh, as a professional and you've got your business entrepreneur, um, I know we said in your bio, you're an amateur jumper rider. How many horses do you have? Like, are you showing a lot like on your personal side of things? Or is it more of a hobby on the side for you? So, I mean, I try to ride as much as I can. I, I have one main horse I do the jumpers on now. Um, last year I had a back surgery. I had a fusion. So the, uh, you know, the number of horses I can ride in one day and, and compete on has definitely, uh, you know, diminished, but I have one main uh, horse. I do the, like the meter 10 meter 20 jumpers on and, you know, it keeps me happy um, it keeps me in competition and, um, you know, it's sort of physically what I can do at this point. I have two horses that I bred. One is a, uh, three-year-old, um, and then one is a foal. So I have two younger horses that obviously I'm not riding yet. Very cool. Very cool. Um, on the professional side of things, uh, I know you're working with predominantly equestrians now. Did you grow to that market like uh, and practice medicine more universally? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about kind of how you got to where you are in your professional career? Uh, sure. So when I was in medical school, um, trying to decide what what type of physician I wanted to be. I knew I wanted to have enough time to ride horses. I knew that horses were always going to be a part of my life. And there's a lot of careers in medicine, like surgery, uh, orthopedic surgery, plastic surgery that are very demanding, um, that pretty much encompass your whole life. And even though I liked those fields, I I knew that it wasn't for me in, in terms of, you know, time and and being able to do other things to keep uh, work-life balance, you know, uh, in play, which is very important to me. And when I was in med school, I found the field of emergency medicine, which is very suiting for me. Um, It's a fun, fast-paced environment. 
And so I decided to, to do that. And I've been practicing emergency medicine for many years, too many that I don't want to count them, but um, <laughs> uh, I've worked in many emergency departments uh, throughout the country. And um, it is it is a great field. It's a great lifestyle. And it, it allows you to have time to do other things. Um, so I've worked, I work now in California at a level one trauma center. It's very busy. We take care of very, you know, acute patients that are sick with multiple, you know, trauma injuries. We also handle strokes and heart attacks at the highest level. So, um, I, I really enjoy working in that environment. Um, and as far as, you know, starting show MD, um, Initially, when I started competing and showing in California, I kind of hid the fact that I was a doctor. I didn't really want people knowing I was a doctor. I just wanted to be at the horse show and ride my horses and not, you know, have people asking me questions and such. And, you know, throughout the years, people got to know me and I got to know them and they started asking me questions and I started helping them. But I didn't really have any type of, you know, malpractice. I didn't really have a good way to, you know, do charting and record the, you know, information exchange or prescribed medications. And so it got to the point where enough people were asking me for help that I thought, you know, this is actually something that I could really do and something I could set up as a business. Um, and so finally, you know, after walking around with a knapsack and a stethoscope and some tools, um, in 2019, I started a business plan and started, you know, this concept of, of making an actual mobile clinic at, at the horse shows. And in 2020, I, um, I launched the business. Well, what a great year to launch a business. Uh... I know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Good old COVID came. Um, so that was kind of interesting to work through, but we managed to do it. Well, that's, that's awesome. And, and I like the, you know, I think it's so funny, um, especially like on the, you know, amateur level, you go to a show where there's a lot of amateurs competing. It's so interesting to me how many different walks of life uh, you can find there, right? Like you've got lawyers and doctors and teachers and, uh, you know, just normal people that that love horses and I'm sure you know in a lot of capacities we all just blend in as equestrians at that place and I can understand wanting to say you know hey I'm I'm here to unwind I'm here to relax I'm here to uh do my hobby thing I don't want to blend the worlds but it sounds like you are doing it now with that work-life balance capacity still in mind of being able to go to a show um, and, and be with ShowMD and then, you know, still be able to do your own thing with your own horses, which is cool. Um, what do you think, like, with ShowMD, like, what's your mission? Because I feel like it's a very, like, awesome concept it's something that I don't I don't know anyone on the east coast that's doing this um I, I don't know anyone anywhere that's doing it so what's sort of your your mission with the business so for me you know I'm I'm an equestrian and I ride and I'm I'm a doctor um so you know my mission is to provide medical care you know for equestrians by equestrians and you know I want to serve them with unparalleled medical care provided with a level of understanding that is improbable with traditional healthcare. 
you know, you, you can't walk into an urgent care and say, you know, I chipped into an oxer and, you know, I fell off and my air vest went off and, you know, I kind of think I hit my head and I have really, really bad back pain. And I think I broke my arm, but I want to ride tomorrow. Right. <laughs> so right. You, <laughs> people don't understand that, you know, um, they just don't, they don't get it. And, you know, people that come in to see me in my, in my clinic, you know, oftentimes we watch their video, you know, they, if they've fallen off, it's often recorded and, and we can look at the video either on their phone or on, you know, the live stream that, that the show supplies and we can go through it carefully and see exactly what happens. You know, if the rider doesn't want to look at it, I can look at it and I can say, Oh, okay, well, you know, here's what happened and here were your injuries and, you know, your horse actually kicked you but you didn't realize it you know so um for me it's just you know it's amazing to talk to riders in their own language and understand their injuries on such a different level yeah i like i like that you use that description because for for me um so i do sport and performance psychology and while i do all athletes like my predominant focus is equestrians and to go to a sport and performance psychologist for equestrian sports, uh, you go to the person that specializes in stick and ball sports and you say, um, I get really frustrated that my horse isn't picking up the right lead and they might not know what that means. So just having that common ground and having that common language is awesome. And the other thing that I think is really revealing is I'm, I'm definitely guilty of it myself. Uh, I didn't want to be told not to ride by someone that didn't understand, right? So like the alternative is let's just not go to the doctor. Let's not get this checked out. Let's not get treated because I would rather not have this traditional medicine uh, and lack of understanding. Yeah. And that's something I see very commonly and it's it's definitely a fine line. I mean, I, I, I understand people want to get back on and they want to ride, but sometimes really it's not in their best interest because I think one thing people don't realize is that if you're riding with an injury, the probability of getting another injury is, is so much higher. You know, I don't know what percentage it is, but if you're riding and your right arm is broken or it's not strong, you know, you're going to have to compensate and, sometimes you end up with a worse injury because you're trying to ride with an injury. Um, so as much as people want to get back on, I try to be that voice of reason. Um, but I also do understand, you know, that sometimes if you're a trainer and you're, you know, you're a pro and you're paid to ride 10 horses, well, somehow we've got to get you to the point where you can ride those horses safely. Yeah, no. And it's definitely, um, you know, with, with, our mission here at the whole equestrian uh putting wellness above the be all end all goal of just riding through whatever has been a mission of ours from the beginning um but it is hard to to get that through right to your point some people have to get on to the show i mean um typically i i do a the podcast with uh, co-host Emily Hamill, and she's a five-star rider, and she uh, literally flipped her meniscus underneath her knee, uh, I think it was like five weeks before badminton, so she got microscopic surgery and was on seven days later, and then flew over to 
England to compete in one of the biggest five stars. Um, and, you know, luckily she had great doctors, great support. And as far as knees are concerned, meniscus is not high on the scary list of things that can be done to it. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fine line with the wellness mission and riding through pain, injury and setbacks. Yeah. And I think the other thing is that sometimes, you know, people who are, are younger and, and, earlier in their career, they don't realize like the long-term effects of some of these injuries and how it's going to play out when they're, when they're in their fifties or sixties and they still want to ride, but they've had an injury that they've neglected. Um, so I try to be, you know, I, I, I try to let people know that, that, you know, eventually you are going to get old <laughs> and eventually these things are going to, they're going to come back and they're going to be a factor in your career. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's something that uh, I am blatantly aware of. Um, I actually uh, myself do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, so my list of aches and pains is is typically long. And I definitely have had to reapproach my mindset towards training, right? Like I think most people think more is more. And the more time in the saddle or the time in the gym that you can get, the better and um, I personally have shifted more towards recovery, taking care of my body, making sure I'm feeling the best that I can, um, and still pushing hard when I need to for certain competitions and everything like that. But it's followed up by a rigorous plan of like making sure I can keep my body healthy so that I can be doing this when I'm 70. Exactly. No, I love that. That's That's totally the way I think. Awesome. Awesome. So can you tell me a little bit more about um, the ShowMD mobile unit and kind of what services you offer with that? Absolutely. So, um, you know, we pretty much offer anything that you would get if you go to an urgent care. Um, so if somebody falls off and they have an injury where, you know, they just need to be checked out and have, you know, an exam, um, I provide that service and we, um, do a full, you know, head to toe exam. We obviously have, you know, uh, the ability to check your vital signs so we can check your blood pressure, your heart rate, your oxygen. We can check your blood sugar. Um, we check your temperature, um, if people are sick with, you know, respiratory illness or, you know, viral illness or strep throat, we can check all that. Um, if you do fall off and we suspect that you might have a fracture, I have an x-ray machine. So we uh, do x-rays um, right there at the trailer. Um, if you have any lacerations or any cuts that need treatment, we, we can do that. We have a full on-site pharmacy for non-controlled medications. So if you have um, you know, an illness that requires an antibiotic, we can provide that and dispense it right there. Um, we have some muscle relaxers and some prescription um, anti-inflammatories that we do. So you really, you know, you don't have to leave uh, to get medication um, and go to an outside pharmacy. We don't have any lab services. If you need some blood work done, we can get you an appointment and send you off site to a lab. Um, but we pretty much, you know, we do pretty much do everything. We have um, uh, a therapeutic ultrasound where we offer some pain relief with an ultrasound. We have a TENS unit. Um, we have some massage uh, services. So uh, pretty much everything. Do you feel like then like people that 
came to the horse show feeling under the weather that didn't have time to go to the doctor before they got to the horse show are actually seeking you out and finding the relief and the help that they need? Like, or is it more so this problem came at the show and now I'm going to go see you mix of both. Uh, I'm, you know, curious. Um, the, the kind of both. I mean, I have people that said, well, you know, I'm traveling, you know, just this week I was at Temecula, California, and I had people coming down from Oregon and they're like, oh, I couldn't get into my doctor. And, you know, I knew you'd be here. So I figured I'd see you here. Um, we also offer uh, IV hydration, um, which is really great, especially when it's hot. A lot of people get super dehydrated. They don't keep up on their fluids. Um, so we offer hydration and one thing we've been doing a lot lately with the flu season, you know, that's starting super early is we have some uh, immune treatments that we do with like high dose vitamin C and zinc and, um, you know, different vitamin additives that help to, you know, prevent you from getting worse if you are sick or kind of just sort of rejuvenate you if you're feeling kind of under the weather. Well, yeah. And it sounds like you're kind of on both ends of the like preventative spectrum and the treatment spectrum too like even for uh physical injuries you mentioned like uh i'm familiar with tens units and therapeutic ultrasound uh do you necessarily need to have a problem to come see you or is there performance enhancement ability in your practice as well so yeah you don't need to have a problem i mean sometimes people have you know, preventative stuff that they do at home where they have, you know, a TENS machine or they see somebody for ultrasound at home um, and they want to come in and, and do some, you know, preventative treatment with me. And sometimes that involves, you know, some um, massage therapy or, or a TENS treatment on your back or even IV hydration. Um, so yeah, we're, we're focused on, you know, definitely on the preventative side as well. Very cool. Very cool. Um, what do you think are some of the common um, health and wellness mistakes you see riders making? Like now that you have been offering this service to equestrians, you've been in that sort of, uh, you know, on the sidelines type environment. What, what do you think people are doing wrong when it comes to health in the equestrian world? I think um, one thing for sure is sort of hydration and diet. Um, I think people don't drink enough water um, and they don't also don't eat enough healthy food. Um, <laughs> one thing I see a lot of people do is, you know, they might, they might drink, you know, one bottle of water and they're like, oh, I had my water for the day. Um, but really, you know, a competitive athlete needs two to three liters of fluid a day. Um, I definitely don't see people drinking, um, enough fluids. Um, and you also have to realize that if you're just drinking straight water, you do have to balance that with either some salt intake in food or some, uh, electrolytes added to the water. Um, the other thing I, I see, this is mainly, a, I think a, a trainer mistake is that, you know, they won't eat anything all day. They'll just, you know, run around and ride a million horses and teach their, uh, students and coach them, but they won't take care of themselves. And then at the end of the day, they're like super starving and they eat like this big giant unhealthy meal. So I think, I think, you know, uh, fluid intake and diet are probably, probably highest on the list. 
what uh what are some ideal snacks that you could uh recommend to that busy trainer that maybe doesn't have time to sit down and eat a fork and knife lunch but uh you know as a, as a medical professional um what could they get to fuel their body better throughout the day so i'm a big fan actually of protein shakes um there's a a, a good a good brand called fairlife um and Honestly, if, if you had, you know, a Fairlife uh, protein shake for breakfast and lunch, you could probably make it through the day on a, you know, fairly uh, good nutritional balance. Um, you know, if, if you don't, you know, just want to drink protein shakes, if you could maybe get some yogurt for breakfast and some fruit for lunch. Um, I know riders definitely don't want to eat a ton during the day. And I get it because when I ride and compete, like I don't want to you know, jump my horse on a full stomach, but you need, you know, you need some nutrition and you need, you know, some fuel in the tank. Um, so, you know, you know, a bag of like almonds, you know, a banana, like stuff you can eat on the go is, is also very convenient. Um, and just to kind of, you know, you can eat that while you're, while you're walking to the next ring. Yeah, no, I love I love those fair life protein shakes. I'm glad you said that because it's uh it's been a interesting my my sport I have to be at certain weights for at certain times, right? I, I have weight classes and um the nutrition journey has definitely been interesting. But what I'm finding is that I need to eat more to keep my weight at the level I need to be at. So I'll add like a fair life protein shake into my pre-bed routine during cutting season. And uh, that's been awesome. And just making sure that my body has the nutrients to fuel and heal and, and do all the things that it needs to do. Do you find that that athlete that is dehydrated and um, you know, maybe doesn't have the nutritional support that they need, are they going to be worse uh, going through a fall and injury, uh, sickness than, than an athlete that has the right nutrition and hydration on board? Well, I definitely think that if, if you're not hydrated and, and you don't have, you know, uh, nutritional fuel in your tank, you could be more, more likely to have an injury because you might not have the strength to, you know, do what you're, what you're trying to do while you're riding, um, and, you know, overall, obviously if you do fall and, you know, injure yourself, like worst case scenario, you break a bone, you know, if you, if you don't have the proper nutrition, you know, if your calcium isn't at the right level, if your vitamin D is low, um, all of that is going to contribute to, you know, kind of a prolonged healing. So, um, for sure nutrition, you know, is, is definitely going to contribute to your overall, you know, health and wellness. Yeah, and I think that's uh, a hard thing to navigate in the uh, space that you're in, right? Like, people come to your stand and you can't say, like, oh, like, you know, eat a banana. I mean, I guess you can. I don't know if you do, but uh, the the nutrition is so, so important. And I think people don't realize that and don't make the connection of, like, oh, I feel like crap and I haven't eaten anything all day. I think it's just, like, I'm an equestrian, so I'm not going to eat anything all day. And that cultural phenomenon is something that, you know, Emily and I have been trying to break and say, like, you should, you should eat 
breakfast at the horse show. You should eat lunch if you can. You should have snacks throughout the day. Um, And so I'm glad that we're kind of on the same page with that because that's a, a message we've been trying to get out to our listeners for a very long time. I know. And it's kind of similar to when I'm working in the emergency room. Like, I mean, we could work, you know, an eight or 10 or even 12 hour shift. And often you don't have time to, you know, definitely forget about eating, but like drinking fluids and even using the restroom kind of goes out the window. So like, I'm guilty of it too at work. I I get it, you know? (laughs) Um, But, you know, I think, I think with some forethought and some planning, um, you know, there's a little bit of effort that has to go into it. But I think once people make the decision to, you know, uh, devote some time to their nutrition, I think they see, I think they definitely see the results. And I've even done some nutrition plans with some trainers um, that have wanted to, you know, maybe lose a few pounds or just get on a better eating plan. And it's, it's really not the hardest thing to do. I've even set up like meal delivery service to, to trainers when they're on the road, you know, staying in different places. So, I mean, it takes a little effort, but it's definitely doable, especially with all the, you know, resources we have now with, you know, DoorDash and all this stuff. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I have a friend in the wellness space that's referred to um, the equestrian diet as fat skinny because you might get someone that from the outside looks very healthy, right? They they don't have extra pounds on them. They they are skinny. Uh, looking, you're you're riding ten horses a day. Uh, hard to put on a lot of weight in that regards. Um, but then you look at what they're actually eating and it's not nutrients dense foods. It's not things that are going to fuel and help your body recover. And so even though the image on the outside is telling one thing, the what's actually happening on the inside definitely tells tells another. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Very cool. Well, one of the really, um, as I was kind of going through your website and reading about your services and everything like that, one of the things that really struck a chord with me was that you treat um, some chronic back pain. And I think there's a lot of riders and equestrians that deal with sort of the chronic pain versus the acute, right? Obviously, we all know that if you fall off, something's going to hurt, right? Whether it be you're just bruised up or you've, you know, gone and broken that bone. But what's your approach to chronic pain? Like, and what's sort of, I know the level of normal is not nothing, but I think we all have a little bit of chronic pain as equestrians. So I kind of just want to pick your brain on that topic. Sure. And just to touch on, you know, acute pain, you know, sometimes people come in and they're like, oh, I, strained my back, you know, getting off this horse or this horse spun or, you know, and, you know, that's like, you know, that's definitely a little bit different, you know, than the the chronic pain issues. And I think riders do have a lot of chronic pain and they just kind of get used to it, which is not something I want. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, obviously it depends on the area of the pain. I I see a lot of people with neck and, and back pain, 
Um, one thing I, I try to figure out for people with neck and lower back pain is, you know, of course, how long it's been going on and what precipitated it. Um, but I like to see if they've had any imaging. So oftentimes I try to get results of if they, if they've had an MRI or a CT scan or something, um, I also started uh, an area of practice called concierge medicine, where I, I pretty much do all of the medical care for, for people um, on a monthly basis. And, and if someone joins that program and had imaging, that, that's one of the first things we do is we get an MRI to see what's going on. Um, because obviously, as an ER doctor, I've done, you know, dealt with tons of people that have disc injuries. And, and so I want to see what's really underlying this pain. Um, and there are obviously different treatments based on what the cause of the pain is. If someone has a ruptured disc, obviously we're going to treat that differently than if it's more of a musculoskeletal, you know, muscle spasm, ligamentous injury. Um, so, you know, I really, try to figure out like, what is the etiology of, of the pain? But um, a lot of people get super tight muscles, they get muscle spasm. Um, if we can isolate an area in somebody's back or neck that's really tight and kind of knotted up, we can do what's called a trigger point injection where I inject some local steroid and a little um, local uh, sort of pain reliever to, to help with that, the muscle and relax it and get it to calm down. Um, then obviously, you know, anti-inflammatories, some muscle relaxers, TENS, um, also stretching, doing the right physical therapy. Um, I have a, a massage person I work with and I refer a lot of people to, and there's some uh, physical therapists that have popped up at the shows here and there where I can refer people to. Um, so it's, it's kind of like, you know, a combination of, of different treatments. And I've definitely had a lot of success with the trigger points and the, you know, combination where people definitely get, you know, even, you know, 80, 90% of relief of their chronic pain. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I'm glad that you brought up imaging first, because I think like that's something that a lot of equestrians feel like they don't have right, the time, resources to do as well, right? I'm not going to go get this checked out because they're going to refer me to the MRI or to the X-ray and it's just, it's just not on the cards for me. But it's so different treating something that is physically wrong and something that's just kind of, like you said, musculoskeletal spasms and everything like that. And so uh, do you ever encounter the resistance to get images or, or how would you approach someone that has had, let's say chronic pain for over a year and they have tried a couple things, haven't been able to get rid of it, but they're like, oh, I just, I, I don't want to get the images done. So, you know, if, if they're, if they're frustrated enough to come see me, you know, with their pain that's been going on a year, they obviously want some help. And for the most part, I can, you know, explain to them why imaging is important. And again, like we do a lot of extra for patients in terms of we can order an MRI, we can get you an appointment. Like if you say I need an appointment on Monday morning, cause that's the only day I have off, like we can do that for you. So we take that aspect of arranging the services out of their hands. So that's 
something they don't have to deal with. So I think once you also take out the fact that, you know, they don't have to sit on the phone, they don't have to make an appointment, they don't have to get an authorization from their insurance. Like we do most of that for them. Um, I've had definitely a lot of success about getting the imaging done uh, for people very expeditiously. And all the places I work in California, I have good relationships with the imaging centers and it's pretty easy to get people in. Yeah, that that's awesome because I've definitely been, you know, working student in Florida and, um, you know, coming from PA, my insurance won't cover the image for my hand that got crushed against a horse trailer in Florida. And, you know, all of a sudden you're working through the rest of the winter in a brace and, uh, that particular circumstance, I ended up having like a really bad bone bruise on my hand. And I didn't know for like two months later, because I couldn't get any images done. So there is like this weird limitation thing that you fit into as an equestrian of sometimes it's really not available. And so the fact that you're bringing and making these services available to equestrians that might not be able to even get them uh, without you is is amazing. And, um, you know, just kind of expanding the conversation on on the chronic pain issue. When do you think is the time to seek help? Like, when would you talk to someone about, hey, like, you shouldn't just be dealing with this on a day to day basis? So for some of my patients with like chronic pain issues, you know, if it's, if it's something that I feel like I can't manage or something that's like out of my, you know, ability, I refer them to people. Like I have a lot of uh, physical medicine and rehabilitation physicians that manage chronic pain that I work with. Um, so throughout California, you know, I have a network of of, you know, pain doctors, orthopedic surgeons, like people on different levels that can offer, you know, advice and treatment to, to equestrians um, so that they're kind of getting input on multiple levels from multiple doctors that, Hey, you know, you need, you need to take care of this. And these are the ways that we're going to, you know, help you take care of it. And it's not necessarily always surgery or anything extreme, but I think that, you know, developing trust with riders who trust me to either take care of them and get them feeling better or to refer them to somebody that can help them to the next level. I think that's been something I've built over the past three years. And, you know, when I first started this, like people knew me, but they didn't really know me, you know, as a doctor, as a rider. And I think I've built like a very good level of trust with, with the community so that they know they can come in and see me. And if I tell them, Hey, I can't do this, you should go here. Then they, you know, they generally listen to me. Yeah, no. And then I, I think again, that conversation is so important because if you fall and hit your head, you are, you're obviously going to go see the medic. Well, whoever's on, on the grounds, they have to check you out. Um, I don't know a ton of the rules of the jumpers, but I know in eventing, like if you have fallen off, you cannot leave the area until the medic has gone over you and, and given you a thumbs up. And uh, if you have multiple horses, you have to get cleared to ride your other horses for the day. And I think like that's so easy to see and understand whereas chronic pain is the silent 
thing that a lot of equestrians are just smiling and working through, whether it's, uh, you know, your right elbow is really jacked up from all the stalls you've been mucking or, um, you know, you're constantly crooked on your horse and there's something going on with your hips because of that. And I think like, I think it's great that you've got both right of of I could be here to help in a emergency situation because that's what I have done for a very long time but also these little things catch up to you too and being able to be that as advocate for equestrian that might not take care of it or might not take it seriously just because it is a cultural thing to just work through pain mm-hmm. yeah I totally agree um and you know with with some of the the younger riders I work with, if they have you know an acute injury or something that might you know start to develop into a chronic pain thing, I try to work with them so that it doesn't you know get to that point. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever um been in a riding accident yourself? Have you had to deal with like the acute you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. No, I mean I. Yeah. I mean, I've fallen off more times than I can count. Obviously, um, about 10 years ago, I fell off and, and broke my left wrist and it was like really, really a bad break. And I had to have surgery and a pin and all this stuff. Um, yeah, for sure. And, um, then I don't know, about two years ago, I was getting on my horse and it walked away and I, just fell off the mounting block and broke my foot. And yeah. So, I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, and I think I mentioned earlier in the, uh, podcast that a year ago I had back surgery. It wasn't an, an injury. It was just something chronic. Um, but it definitely affected my riding and I was in pain all the time. I couldn't even walk a course without having to stop and kind of get the pressure off my back. So, so yeah, for sure. Um, I've had my fair share of injuries and chronic pain and I, I definitely understand it. Yeah. And from that understanding side, since I, since I come from the psychology background, um, working in emergency medicine and working with those riders that that maybe have just had a pretty bad fall or you know they're looking at their I hate to be gruesome but like bones sticking out of their own body is there a psychological side to what you do um in keeping people calm in those situations as well yeah I mean I think I think one of the main things like people that fall off a horse a lot of times what I've found is that they might be hurt, but they're also really embarrassed. Like it sucks to fall off. Like people don't want to fall off. They think everyone's looking at them. They think that they're, you know, everyone's going to remember that they fell off. So a big part of like the emotional component to having an injury and falling off your horse, you have to, you have to deal with that sort of on a different level than, than actually dealing with their pain. Um, so that's been really interesting for me to learn and to really have to take into consideration is like, let the person, you know, process the emotional part of falling off and being injured and then figure out how to best, you know, help them with their acute injury. Yeah, no. And I, it's it's definitely a skill um to navigate that sort of thing because i high pressure adrenaline uh emotions going on uh th- there's a lot into it and and i think that's where 
you know, on my side of things and what I do of preparing athletes, um, when you have fear of injury and you have fear that you could fall off and get hurt, you know, we talk in psychology about rational versus irrational thoughts. Well, to me, it's it's a rational thought to have the fear that you could fall off and get hurt, right? Because it's a reality that we've all faced and we've all experienced. And so being able to have that time to think and process about it on both ends of the spectrum, not only, you know, before the accident happens, but also after and understanding what it means to you too. And, and that's, um, you know, not to take away from anything that, of on the physical side but when you fall off there's a mental injury that occurs too that you have to heal from to to get back on and get back where you were yeah i mean and it's it's really um i don't know it's just um it's something again like i've really had to you know make myself remember you know because people come to the hospital and if they've had an injury like the precipitating factor that caused the injury is over you know yep. so so um so yeah um you know and one thing um we at Temecula Galway Downs we do a horse show uh with Nilferuja and Equisport events and we actually um provide the EMS services so they run under me uh under show MD and one thing I've really tried to do is um train the the EMTs and the paramedics to be very sensitive to the equestrians and to their injuries and to what they're saying so we've really I think come pretty far in, in terms of understanding, you know, when you fall off, like what's emotional, what's physical and how to best manage it. And that's been one of my, one of my goals with those shows is just develop an overall, you know, medical service that includes me as a physician, my nurses uh, and the EMS crew. Yeah. And that is so valuable too, right? Like to have some in the emergency situation who not only has the physical knowledge, but also, you know, has been in the situation before, right? Like I, I know what it's like to fall off the horse and I can kind of understand. Uh, I definitely, as a young rider, I, I had a fall where I hit the ground and uh, I was laying there. Like you would have thought I, I was seriously hurt, but I was just really disappointed that I fell off. And so I was lying. Oh Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally fine, but I couldn't get up because I was like my hopes and dreams, right? And uh, you know, that's kind of the perspective of being a 17-year-old kid uh trying to ride horses and you think every show's your last, but uh, but yeah, there's definitely a fine line there that you have to navigate. Yep. Um, and that's been interesting for me to learn. You know, I, I've definitely learned a lot with this, you know, with this business. Um, you know, I I've been a doctor for a really long time, but as an ER doctor, you don't, you don't own a business, you know, you basically go and you work for somebody else. And now, you know, I've created a business that I own that is, you know, comes with multiple challenges. But one thing I've really tried to learn is like, you know, how, you know, how to be the best doctor for the people at the shows. Yeah, no. And that's, that's awesome. Um, And in terms of like, 
the shows and just health and safety in general, obviously you being there is a huge benefit to any show. And, um, you know, at the end, I'll make sure our listeners know where you're going to be for the rest of the year. But what do you think are some health and safety incentives trainers can and riders can do um in their barns at horse shows to keep themselves the most safe to kind of prevent even getting to the the acute traumatic injury state so i think you know one thing we talked about earlier is you know staying hydrated you know having you know nutrition so that your body is is hydrated so that it's fueled getting sleep Um, in terms of, you know, things you can do, um, to help protect your safety, obviously I highly recommend wearing a riding helmet every time you get on a horse. I don't care if you're walking, I don't care what you're doing. You know, you need to be wearing uh, a proper helmet. Um, I'm a big fan of the, uh, MIPS technology and helmets. Um, and basically, that's a newer technology um, that has been introduced to equestrian sport. It's been around for a long time, mostly like in cycling and and other um, other sports where you would protect your hat your head. Um, but MIPS basically the technology prevents rotational motion because when you hit your head, there's definitely you know direct impact. But what you don't realize is that there is rotational forces that impact your your brain um and your brain is you know skull um and it doesn't sit right right up against the skull so there is definitely a rotational force that that happens when you fall so the mips technology helps to reduce that as much as possible um and then obviously if you fall and you hit your head pretty hard um you should definitely even if your helmet doesn't crack you should definitely think about replacing the helmet um, because a lot of times the internal um, aspect of the helmet that protects you can be damaged, even though you don't see it from from the outside. Um, And the other thing, obviously in eventing, this is very common, you guys wear uh, safety vests. um, And um, I'm a big proponent of wearing the um, safety vests. Um, I've actually ridden with one for about 10 years, um, even before they became popular in hunter jumpers. You can go back and look at pictures of me competing and I have, I have an air vest on. Um, so I think those are for sure very helpful at preventing injury. I am so glad that like you, I was, I was going to ask about the safety vest for the, the jumper world, because I, I always tell people like, if you're afraid of injury, like you should do everything you can to make yourself feel as safe as possible and to actually be as safe as possible. And safety vests are a a layer of protection. They're a layer of safety. And I think, uh, you know, even just like riding at home, there's the stigma of, oh, I don't want to be the the person riding around in my safety vest all the time. Why not? Right? Like, oh, would you rather be the person, you know, with a broken rib? Like, I, I'd rather wear the safety vest, but I think, um, you know, it's something that needs to be more normalized in the other aspects of the sport too, right? Even our eventers, uh, I was just at a five-star competition this past weekend. I think I saw one of the riders uh, wearing a safety vest in the show jumping but I mean there's as much danger in show jumping as there is in cross country I know not not 
on the same level, but, but there's still the danger there. So um, I think that's a great message to get across on both ends of the spectrum. Definitely 100% think safety vests are very, very important in our industry. And I really think everyone should wear them. Yeah. And um, if anything, getting that message across in this podcast, uh, we're doing a service to the equestrian community. So um, I feel like we could go on and, and talk about safety and health. And uh, I could probably go away. A I'm so interested in like doc. My doctorate is not in anything medical, but I'm so interested in that stuff. So um, I could continue to pick your brain, but I know your time is valuable and you've got a lot of things going on in different uh, parts of California. So I would love to hear before we wrap up where our listeners can find uh, more about you and about ShowMD and maybe some of the shows or barns that you're going to be at for the, for the rest of the year. Absolutely. You can go on uh, the website. It's uh, showmd.org. Uh, you can find out a lot about us from there. We also have uh, social media, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, if you look up show MD, you'll find us. And as far as our shows for the rest of this year, we will be at desert international horse park, uh, the beginning of November. Then we do a week in Las Vegas at the Blenheim Equisports and your show at the South point arena. And then we go back to desert international horse park for the end of December and then we will be there uh, beginning of January uh, all the way through March back out in Thermal at Desert International Horse Park. Wow, quite quite the busy uh, schedule you've got. Yep, the, the fall and winter has turned out to be our busiest time of year. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that's uh, it's some somewhat the opposite in Pennsylvania but uh when I was full-time in the equestrian world we would all go down to Florida and and that is definitely a a busy busy time so I wish you so much luck um in your business I hope that other people start to catch on are, are you going to expand the business model and do you like get some more show md satellite locations or uh you know share the business model with anyone on the east coast at all yeah absolutely i'm actually um uh interestingly you bring that up because i am looking for somebody to lease out my mobile trailer and x-ray machine uh because we do have an on-site office that we built at Thermal. Um, so we have a physical building there and um, I'm kind of looking for somebody who might be interested in leasing out my current setup, which is a fully stocked uh, mobile, you know, medical clinic uh, with treatment areas and even an x-ray. Um, so I was looking for somebody to do that maybe in the Ocala area. Awesome. Well, maybe one of our uh, listeners will uh, be interested or know someone that's interested. Um, and I'll make sure that all of uh, the links to your information and your social media pages are in the show notes so people can find you easily. Um, and yeah, I, I love I love this concept and I, I really hope it continues to grow. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. And it's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And in the meantime, enjoy the ride.